1: Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Gadget and gizmos, Kaplan and Rose. What more could people want? Well, plenty of tech, I imagine, as you're going to tell plenty us. Plenty of
0: tech. Yes, indeed. QR codes. Now, QR codes came out actually quite a long time ago. But people couldn't really see the point from them. some people tried you know, putting them on posters so you could point your phone at it yes, to get you know, a more idea of what was being advertised at you. Uh, and then Covid came along and people didn't want to touch anything. So suddenly QR codes started appearing printed on tables in restaurants, for example, so you could download their menus rather than having a physical and possibly germ ridden mm. piece of paper thrust into your hand. So they've had a bit of a resurgence. And the latest on QR codes is that a developer at Osaka University has come up with three QR codes printed inside food. What? How about that? Yes.
1: What? Okay, why and how?
0: Well, why is a uh, why uh, is a difficult question. The how <laughs> is that they, they, they your, your print,
1: usual answer to that is because they can
0: because they can. Well, they, they print the QR code out of an edible material, and then mm. they bake it inside a biscuit. And you can't see it, but if you hold the biscuit up to a light source, then you can point your camera at it and you can see the silhouette of the QR code or rather because your camera. Can clearly, see it.
1: what we all want to do is be holding biscuits up to the light to read QR codes, which of course could be printed on the packet.
0: Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, they, they claim it as possibly an alternative to paper labels on fruit, but I don't know any fruit that's translucent that you could hold. I suppose they could print it on a pepper. And then you could help. But how do you get it inside the pepper? It doesn't make sense. Apart from anything
1: else, we all loathe those labels on fruit anyway.
0: Indeed. Well, this, this would avoid having the labels printed on the fruit. The label would be incorporated, <laughs> grown inside the I don't know. It seems a bit ridiculous. But so they've been struggling to find a use for this. And they say this technology could also be used to provide novel food experiences through augmented reality. It is an exciting new food field in the food industry. Now, I don't know if augmented reality is an exciting new field in your food area, but I don't think it really <laughs> figures in mine.
1: Okay. Uh, so that's not necessarily going to change our lives for the better, or indeed not worse, or change them at all for some yeah. time to come. So what's uh, next? Indeed.
0: Well, something that also won't change our lives for the better, but it will change lives for the better amongst a very small group of scientists. It is the world's fastest broadband, and it runs at 46 terabytes a second. That's the speed of data that they can transmit 46 terabytes mm. now that's a difficult number to make sense of so i've done a bit of research and a bit of maths for you mm. and according to my calculations it means you could download the entire netflix library in 26 seconds wow wow indeed it is the product of the energy sciences network which they rather uncomfortably abbreviate to esnet uh, and it connects the Department of Energy scientists in the United States. 15,000 miles of fiber optic cable snake around between laboratories. because they have send vast amounts of data back and forth. Okay,
1: so it is actually quite useful. It's not the fact that they do want to download the entire library of netflix which will be out of date by the time they've started watching even a few episodes i should think
0: oh <laughs> that would probably be the case but i mean presumably no buffering while they're streaming but that's not entirely what they're using it for as uh, as you so rightly say but it is uh this, it's not available to the rest of us just these few scientists but it is pretty good though isn't it even if we can only look on from the sidelines and gawp
1: yes i bet they get customer better customer service if things go wrong as well
0: they yes. probably do yeah. Your call okay. is important to us, so we're going to answer it. <laughs> when did you ever hear that? <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's have one of these. So onward with more gadgets, more gizmas.
0: Well, you had a play with my uh, quest. uh, headset uh, a while ago Oculus Quest then became Facebook Quest and now it's Meta Quest but it's the same thing and you you quite enjoyed it weren't quite tempted to shell out 300 quid on one and you're unlikely to be tempted to shell out $1500 on the Quest Pro now what is different about the Quest Pro well it's slimmer it has a higher density of pixels so the images look that much smoother but the The big deal about it is there are five interior cameras that track your face movements. And uh, Meta, Facebook, whoever you want to call them, they say, oh, well, the purpose of this is that when you have avatars inside games or inside virtual meeting spaces, they can now accurately replicate your eye movements and your facial expressions so that they look. You know, they can look more like you or more like whichever alien you choose to be on that day. Now, sounds like quite a good idea, although it's stupidly expensive. Um, but the trouble is, since Facebook Meta are going ahead and testing shopping in virtual reality, they will gather lots of data about what you're looking at, what your, where your eyes are going, what your expressions are like, whether you like something, whether you dislike something. And knowing Facebook, whose business is information, they're not going to discard that information. They're going to gather all kinds of subliminal data on their users rather than just saying them, you know, what did you think of this product? Please give it a review. Yes, yes. They'll be able to analyze exactly how you felt about it uh, non-verbally. Which I think is a very dangerous idea. Of course,
1: and as Gavin Oldham, the founder of Share Radio, would argue and regularly does in his commentaries in the the newsletter, I mean, he feels that groups like Meta, Facebook, and others, as they gather data, should be actually um, returning some of the money that they derive from um, this in the form of of shares. He feels everybody is contributing to the success of these companies and should, as a result, become shareholders.
0: I think that's an excellent idea. I. I, I no. wish him luck in persuading y- Yes, them. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. I'm not sure it's going to happen. But, you know, if he bangs the drum loud enough, eventually these people will wake up to the fact that they are making these companies rich by giving them things for free.
0: Yes, exactly. They might give something but back.
1: they're certainly not giving you the new Quest Pro for free.
0: They are not. Maybe they don't listen to share radio. Who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe they'll be tempted to send me one or so I can try it out. But then will I try it out? Do I want my eyes tracked by Facebook? I'm not sure I do. Mm. They crack enough about me as it is. Yeah. Yeah. So when, anyway, uh, move on. Well, you you complained last week that we hadn't had an app of the week for some time. So let's have an app of the week right now. And that's quite a fanfare and a fanfare indeed. Uh, back at the beginning of September on this very show, we talked mm. about a website called possibly La La La. L-A-L dot A R. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Which could
0: separate it. music from, uh, from singing. Yes. And you it weren't terribly impressed by the George
1: results. Society, yes.
0: yes. Great well, new
1: backings taking the orchestras
0: away. Uh-huh. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. There's a new app in town that does the job vastly better. Oh, it's right. fantastic. It's called Moises, as in Noises with an M. Mm. Moises and it separates out musical instruments not only can it separate out the voice but it can also it identifies the music splits it into voice bass drums and everything else Hmm. and then you can choose what you want to take out or what you want to just reduce in volume so let's have a listen here's the original of a song by zt messiah called what a ting here it is leading into the chorus Right. So here it is, with the vocal taken out using this app. That's and pretty that's good. Pretty I mean, seamless. last time,
1: last time we could we could vaguely hear. Yeah, you were with headphones on. You could vaguely hear.
0: Um, mm. This but this bit. time you can't and you can choose what to put back in. So here's a version with just the vocal and the bass line.
1: No need to fear now. What's going on here now?
0: It's all very clear now. We've all gone crazy. What's a ting? What a ting? Door?
1: Yeah, that's pretty impressive.
0: It's pretty impressive. Also, while you're playing the song, it shows you the chords. Not just the chord that's currently being played, but the chord that comes next. So you can get your ukulele fingers ready for the next chord. It interprets them from the song. It also gives you the ability to transpose the song. So if you're, saying playing an instrument, you think, well, I can't play those chords. They're too complicated. It's often fixed by moving it, say, up or down a semitone. So here is the same song shifted up a semitone without speeding it up.
1: Yeah, the, the actual transposing, I mean I've got I've got apps and programs yes. for doing that. That's
0: relatively common. But um yeah, very clever. It is very, very clever, isn't it? And is it so very expensive? you can um, well you could use it for free for mm. up to five minutes a song, since most songs don't last longer than no, five it, minutes, that's a yes. problem. Uh, but the limited amount gives you four instruments rather than five uh you can't uh, transpose more than the semitone in each direction and there's a few other things if you if you're serious about this uh four pounds a month or 35 pounds a year uh, which is actually an incredible bargain for what it does and it's something that i think seriously yes absolutely really are going to look at it's called moises it's available for both ios and android and it is just astonishing
1: so it's iOS and not uh, – so it's for and your, your phone, not your, not your computer?
0: Absolutely, yes. It's for your, it's it's for your just phone. It's much not harder. I would
1: find much harder to use, I confess.
0: Oh, why? Uh, well, you can always export always so the song. The phone. Um, yeah, What's fiddly? Playing play music is fiddly on a phone?
1: I find it very – yes, and editing is incredibly difficult.
0: Well, you don't have yeah, to do well, any editing. It's well, no, but I'm willing
1: to bet I, you can take out certain instruments. so I bet it doesn't recognize the banjo ukulele. I imagine as, a, as a, an instrument, you might have to edit, edit around it. I, I just I don't. I find doing almost anything on my phone far too fiddly compared to um, editing yeah. images, editing music, everything I would do on a computer, not on a phone. Yes, so even, well, doing, even doing my bank, you know, all bank stuff I don't want to do on the phone.
0: Oh, might. bank stuff is much easier on a phone. But yeah, anyway, I, to I won't go say. into that. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, there's also well, that.
1: Time, anyways, for us to pause for um, breath here.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadget and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan on Share Radio. Yes, I, I, I mean, I like the sound of it until you told me I couldn't do it on my desktop computer, so I'll probably...
0: Oh, it's very easy to one. use on your phone. And then you can export the track to your computer if you want to just play along to it.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, I will try it, but I, I'm just not convinced it'll do what I want with the way i I can actually cope
0: with it it will do what you want in the way you can cope with it take my word for it
1: okay see okay
0: what now well let us move on to fake reviews on amazon we've been told about fake reviews on amazon but Mm -hmm. how prevalent actually is it well there's a company called the bespoke software development co who have done some research into this And they found that the worst offenders for fake reviews are get the unsurprised, surprise technology with an average of 1,351 fake reviews per item, a total of 67,000 fake reviews. They reckon 16% of the tech reviews are fakes. The next the next one coming along, which is really surprising, is books with an average of slightly over a thousand fake reviews per item. Now I don't know Good. why people would give fake reviews to books it seems most surprising, but apparently apparently they do. I don't know what they say in them total of fifty thousand fake reviews twenty five percent so a higher but apart percentage. Anything else
1: books aren't very expensive, so why would you? I can understand it with expensive tech items that you want to shift, but I mean, books aren't very expensive by and large, to, unless they're academic.
0: Push the star rating up to put it up the up the the bestsellers list. I mean, it's not it's not a new thing. Back in the day when uh, Top of the Pops used to compile its its charts mm. you know, once a week, maybe they maybe they still do in some form. Uh, record labels would. Uh, regularly go out on the Thursday morning to the record shops that they knew were monitored yeah. and buy up their entire stock of the single they were trying to promote. Yes, you know it's it, it works. Uh, and third, um, which actually has the highest percentage of fake reviews, clothes, an average of eight hundred nine fake reviews per item, total of forty thousand fake reviews, thirty six percent. Thirty percent of clothing reviews are are fake.
1: Quite extraordinary. I mean, a lot of things I look at don't even have eight hundred and nine reviews altogether. So
0: it's, no, it's very surprising, isn't it? And, and here's okay, well, the yeah, a really curious fact: the most faked about item on Amazon, the, uh, the the product with the most fake reviews, is the Blink Video Doorbell. Twenty nine percent of the reviews are fake. What is surprising about that? frankly, is that the Blink Video doorbell is owned by Amazon. So, so you think surely, Amazon's faking
1: its own reviews?
0: Well, it seems most unlikely, but who else would be doing it? Who else?
1: But how do they tell if your review is fake? And more importantly, how do we tell if your reviews are fake?
0: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, you should probably uh, immediately discount any one-star reviews because that's going to be just people with a gripe. You know, it it didn't arrive. The Mm. the delivery man left it on the doorstep, and he got wet. That kind of thing.
1: Well, one Um, of the one-star reviews that I I do look at basically say it doesn't work.
0: Yes, but if there are only a few one-star reviews and a whole load of three and four-star reviews, then maybe that person just got it wrong. Yes. So you should discount that. Five-star reviews, nothing is really that good. Very few things are that good well apart from apart from the Moises app, I might give that five stars, mm-hmm. so you want to you know watch out watch out for that curiously, the blink video doorbell is um actually the number two video doorbell on amazon the the most popular one is the ring video doorbell ring curiously enough, also owned by Amazon <laughs> so I don't know what they're doing there.
1: So it's, we still don't really know how to tell if they're fake. What I don't know is how do how do bespoke software development company themselves work out what was fake and what wasn't.
0: They probably used an algorithm of some kind.
1: Oh, right, okay.
0: Unless, yeah. of course, this is entirely a fake news story in itself. Well, yes. And we've just been sold oh. and done by their PR company.
1: <laughs> yes, but as we know, that would never, 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 would happen. Would never. Here's happen. here's another one of these. <laughs> Where are you taking us now
0: well we're going to talk about energy are you feeling energetic no no, no. okay well this this could help I'm then. feeling hungry <laughs> so solar panels on roofs generate a reasonable amount of, of energy depending on the weather of course yes uh, but they take up quite a lot of space uh aero mine from the university of houston is a motionless rooftop wind generator that they say is 50 percent more energy generation than the same cost Mm. of solar panels, taking up 10% of the roof space. Now, unlike solar panels, which tend to be flat and barely visible from below, Mm. these things are about three meters tall and they stand on boxes that are about two meters tall. So you're not going to see them on any domestic roofs anytime soon, but you may well see them on tower blocks. And what's clever about them is that they make no noise because they have no moving parts. They have two vertical turbines shaped a bit like plane blades, or in fact like turbine blades, and air uh, is blows through them, creates a low pressure vacuum, and it's that vacuum in the central pole that drives the turbine. So it could be a very clever way of generating, of generating electricity. Interestingly, it's a very similar method to another new. Uh, generation platform called the uniwave which uses wave swell energy now people have made lots of devices in the past to harness the power of waves but the trouble is that they corrode very easily because they're being uh, immersed in seawater for long periods which is always a very difficult thing for just about anything so what these people have come up with is a way of generating the power without immersing the actual moving part of the turbine itself in seawater. And the way it works is like a blowhole. But well, I don't know if you've ever seen blowholes, but blowholes are where there's a an underwater cavity that some for some reason has an outlet above the water. The waves go in and the pressure of the waves compresses the water and it fires out of to the top of the blowhole. Right. Quite, okay. quite impressive to see. This works somewhat like that. The waves go in, and as they go in, they push a combination of water and and air up a channel uh, Mm. through a valve. As the wave recedes, the valve closes, which produces a powerful vacuum inside that channel. And that vacuum is used to suck air in at the top, which goes through a turbine, and therefore drives the the turbine round and their test results are absolutely extraordinary it seems to have massive uh power generating capability at relatively low cost and they can be put anywhere and the, the thing about wind uh, wave power unlike wind power and uh solar power is mm-hmm. that it it goes all the time it doesn't yes, depend yes, on the yes. weather there are always waves so that this could be really impressive. something to watch. It does. And how,
1: it? how far into the distance is this?
0: They have made one test unit, which they have deployed uh, off the coast of Australia. And their data, as I say, looks, looks very good so far. So now they're going to gear up and put a whole row of them in. Uh, mm. they're, they're quite big. You know, they're, they're the size of a large house so they're they're not small things but they do generate a lot of power so uh, and free free energy and free energy is of course well, I mean wind turbines are small no indeed yeah. these are chunkier than wind turbines
1: yes probably less dangerous to bird life i would imagine
0: i don't know what how, what they're like with sea life oh, whether are no. no, of course um, yes they poor,
1: poor bloody fish, fish and could blow s- up through yes they could. Yes, well, we'll find out in due course, I'm sure. Although okay.
0: unlikely because uh, the fish don't actually get sucked up inside it. It's the air that gets compressed mm. by the wave power. Mm. Anyway, so you've got all this power. How do you send it around? There have been many plans for space based solar power transmitters mm. so that they could harvest uh, solar energy in space where there's yes. no clouds. So they can rely on it more. The trouble is they'd need a transmitter more than a mile in diameter to actually send you know, a couple of gigawatts back to Earth, uh, which is a difficult thing to build in space. Well, the uh, New Zealand company, Mrod thinks it has a solution, which is near-field energy beaming power from uh, the solar panels on the ground to low-orbit satellites that can then beam it around the planet wherever it's needed. They have done a demonstration to the European Space Agency, and they've managed to beam power 200 metres, not quite as far as you'd need to get it from a satellite back to Earth, but they seem quite impressed. Who knows? It might work. It's interesting, as a little sideline here, that uh, the world wireless system was designed by no less a person than Nikola Tesla in 1900. And he started off by trying to find ways of transmitting messages Mm-hmm. Not through wires, but just through the air, and he got the the banker J P Morgan uh, invested in it. When he told him he was switching to power, J P Morgan pulled his investment, saying, "It's all very well sending this power around for free, but where do we put the meter?"
1: Well, I can quite understand him saying that if
0: he's funding. Yes, isn't... yes, yes, and that could be the reason why Tesla didn't manage to develop it. So we couldn't yeah, have had yes. it for a hundred years or more. Oh, that's extraordinary.
1: Have you got time for something else very quickly, or should we say goodbye now?
0: Uh, Very quickly, we can talk about the optical microphone developed by Carnegie Mellon University, which can separate different instruments in an orchestra by pointing a camera at a laser beam that is shining at one of the instruments, reading the speckle pattern on the surface, interpreting the vibrations from that, and then uh, understanding what's being played from interpreting those vibrations.
1: Okay.
0: Exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a good reaction. So the idea <laughs> is that you have a, an instrument you can pick up, say, one violin in an orchestra. Point this laser at it, trying to avoid the violin, it's eyes, of course.
1: Oh, and I then see. The okay. So yes, picks
0: up the vibrations from the the, the diffusion of the laser pattern. And therefore, manages to reinterpret it. And I've heard the results, and they are um, interesting. Not interesting <laughs> in the sense of really interesting, interesting in the sense of a little way to go, chaps.
1: Oh, okay. Because presumably, spy services will be quite interested in doing the same thing, pointing my friends at people in crowds and hearing. I they think
0: say. they almost certainly already do that.
1: Okay, thank you very much indeed. That's Steve Kaplan. And that's it for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmos. We'll be back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's
0: gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.